I, uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Morocco. And if you don't know, Morocco is in North Africa, and it is really close to Spain in Europe. Uh, it, two different continents, but they're very close. You can get from one to the other with a ferry. Uh, so if you've been in like the Bay Area or up in the Pacific Northwest or even uh, over in the East Coast, you pr- you're familiar with the idea of like going to like the Staten Island Ferry, right? You go from uh, where you need to be or where you want to be, uh, just hop on a boat, a few minutes, uh, 30 minutes or whatever. It's the same for these two countries. And while we were there, the weather was a lot like this. It, it started to turn. The problem is it's not just going across a river. Uh, there you have the Atlantic Ocean on one side, the Mediterranean Sea on the other side, and in the middle just this inlet that allows the water to pass from one to the other. And so when the waves come, when the storm comes, it really comes. And the ferries won't go out. And so we were like, well, with the itinerary we have, we need to get back over to Spain because we've got to keep going and get out of here. Otherwise, we'll get stuck. And so did everybody else. Everybody else felt the exact same thing because we went to the first port and they weren't having any boats leave because the weather had gotten too bad. We went to the next port and there was one boat that was big enough uh, that was able to go and kind of navigate the waves. And so everyone wanted to be on that boat. And when we finally got on it, the storm came. And normally it takes like 30, 45 minutes to get across and it took hours to get across. We ended up uh, just sitting on this boat with the waves rocking and this wind blowing and the rain coming down and people are feeling sick and people are, are getting sick and falling over, standing room only. And, and it's just, when is this going to end? And as we've been going through this series in temptation and sin and the idea of having the boldness to overcome it, I, I feel like a lot of us have been sitting on a ship like that in, the, in our own lives. Right? Feeling like this, this temptation just continue to come at us. And, and whatever that is, maybe, it, maybe it's lust and greed and, and the things that get hit kind of a lot. Maybe it's just despair in life and, and the idea and doubt in faith and, and doubt that God loves you and these things that draw us away from a heavenly father but we feel like we're sitting on this ship and it's rocking and we don't know what to do and, and, and God's stirring uh, in us, but we, we still, we just feel helpless. We feel helpless because those temptations, it's, it's enticing. We do, like, we do want to be rich. We do want to be like those TikTok stars, right? We do want to be that YouTube star with the new car and the new house and, and we want to travel and have pictures with our spouse and our kids and, and look at us on the beach and look at us in the, in the ocean and, and look at us in, you know, wherever else in like Europe, you know, when things are allowed to open up again over there, right? We want that. And the temptation is to do whatever striving, whatever thing we can to, to go after that, right? Like that's, the, that's the, the, the temptation to sin is to just seek after our own desires. And I'm talking about Christians, right? I'm not saying like out in the world, there's all these people and they're so bad. I'm saying like you and me, right? We have this temptation. We're in the middle of this storm. Like it just continues to come and we don't know how to overcome it. Yeah, great, Satan, God, overcome him. But for us, What does that look like for you? I think Paul struggled with the same thing. Paul struggled with this. In Romans 7, he says this, uh, verse uh, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So the reality is, is when we feel like we're on this ship where we can't keep our balance, where we're sick to our stomach, where, where we aren't exactly sure what direction to go, with temptation just continuing to be before us in every direction, because there's something in us that desires those things. Right? Temptation is tempting. Right? Sin is tempting because there's something in us that, that almost desires that more than we desire Christ. Right? And Paul's, Paul's talking about that here, right? this idea like he wants to do the right thing. He wants to do uh, exactly what he's supposed to do. He, desire, he loves God. The song, again, like prone to leave the God I love. Like This is in us. We desire him, and yet we continue to, to fall into this temptation. We continue to seek after the sin, whatever it may be. So what do we do? How do we overcome that temptation? How do we overcome this sin nature in ourselves? I think we have really two uh, natural and normal responses that we see in the church. And I don't just mean PBC, I mean broadly. Like this is something about human nature. And the first one is, is legalism. Right, so the reality is that, that temptation has a lie. And temptation's lie is that what we do defines who we are. Temptation's lie is that what we do defines who we are. In other words, our identity is wrapped up in everything that we can accomplish. And if that's the case, then our first response to temptation, well, it's stirred to legalism. It's stirred to, to set up the rules and set up the boundaries and set up, set up all of these to-do lists in order to prove who I am to God and to myself. It's this idea that, that I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to read my Bible enough, and I'm going to pray enough, and I'm going to give enough, and I'm going to serve enough, and I'm going to go to church enough, and I'm going to be in community groups, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do other things, and I'm going to evangelize enough, and I'm, I'm going to do all of these things to show, like, I love God. I'm going to do it. It's in me, and, and that's, you know, I'm going to busy myself so much with that that I'm not even going to be tempted to sin anymore. It's this legalism. It says that I'm, I'm going to do it. Right? I'm going to rely on my own understanding, on my own strength, on my own power, on the things that I can accomplish and on the own skills that I have to overcome it. And the sin, the temptation that comes along, I, I'm going to confront it, I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to just get over it. Right? Like white knuckle, like get over it on my own. Like I can do it. And then if it comes again, I'm another just like, you know, that happened last time in my living room. So this time I'm not going to go to my living room anymore. Right? Like I just, I, now I just live like in my bedroom, in the bathroom, uh, and go to school or go to work. Never again. Right? I'm going to unplug my TV. I'm gonna, whatever it is, like we just start to set up all of these things, these rules, these regulations, because it's, it's what we have to do to do the right thing. I mean, do you guys want to do the right thing? Right, I think there's, there's a response to this, right? So um, it's, it's rule followers. And, and honestly, like, I think I tend to this a little bit. Right? And if, if you guys have uh, been in Phoenix a little while, you're familiar with, like, the suicide lanes on, on 7th Streets, like 7th Avenue, 7th Street. Like, uh, if you're not, you definitely need to Google it and figure out what that is just for your own safety. Like, 
pastoral PSA. Do that when you go home. Um, like I grew up in Phoenix, though, so I'm super used to the suicide lanes. Uh, and basically, 7th Street and 7th Avenue have a ton of traffic at rush hour. So there's a middle lane. In the morning, you drive south. And you only drive south. You don't turn left at the lights. You don't turn left on other, well, you can turn left on other streets, but it's a little risky. People will hate you. It's legal, but people hate you. Um, right? You go south. In the morning, you go north. It, it's to help the flow of traffic. The problem is there's a bunch of people from out of state that come here and don't know what to do with that, right? They move here for school and for work, and they're visiting because they're snowbirds, um, and they get on 7th Street, and they don't know what to do, and so they get in the wrong lane. Well, rule followers, usually the guys like in the big like F-250s, big Ford trucks, like rule followers are driving down center lanes uh, and they're going the right direction and someone pops in the lane to take a left or, or just, just pops in uh, to the lane and, and isn't going the right direction. Well, they pull up right to them and stop, right? They're, they're, they're going to show them they're wrong and they're honking and they're usually pointing at the sign because there's literally signs like every 50 feet. But anyway, um, right, they stop and they, they're going to show them they're right. Now, usually that's when I drive by and I'm just like, yes. Like, right? So that, like, I can be a rule follower in that sense. Um, now, I drive a Corolla, so I'm not going to stop, but I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> zip around and I, I got places to be. Um, right? That's a rule follower. And the problem is that, like, they want to be right. They want to show them that they're wrong. They're more worried about that than getting to work or getting their kids to school, whatever. Like, um, and it's dangerous, right? Sure, like the suicide lanes have a name for a reason. But that's, that's something in us, right? When we talk about temptation, it's really easy almost to identify like, oh, lust, greed, pride. Like, but there's something in us when we talk about overcoming sin and temptation that there's a new temptation that says like, I'm going to accomplish a way to overcome this on my own. I'm going to do this. That's what legalism is. I'm going to be right. I'm going to show God that I am worthy of his love. I'm going to show God that I can do this. I'm going to show everyone else around me that I'm the one that they should look to. Right? Nothing's wrong with, with, with reading your Bible and praying, but you, know, you, you have Jill who goes to work and, and just is doing her thing, working hard, and, and one morning she starts to do that, and she feels good about it. Right? She, she takes some time, has a coffee or whatever she likes, and, and, and she reads the Bible, and she prays, and, and it it helps. She goes to, to work and, and she just feels a little bit better. And she starts to do this daily, every morning, like this is a routine. And, and she feels like she's growing and now she gets a little bit of a reputation and, and people at work are like, you, know, you see Jill? Like Jill's been working hard, but Jill's also like, she's so sweet. Like she's like always just ready to help, like offering to pray, like, like sharing about her church. And, and you know, there's something about, she's like that really like good like church person. Like that starts to shape something in Jill and her identity, right? Jill's doing the right things. And pretty soon, it, 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 the problem with legalism, right, is it kind of vacillates between these two extremes. It, it really just leads to either um, pride, right? Prideful self-arrogance. Or at least to shame and self-loathing. And that's what happens to Jill, Right? She, she starts to, to feel good about who she is and, and people are talking about her. And so she now has to be that good church person uh, when she goes to church, when she goes to work, and she feels good about that. She likes it. But the legalism says she has to keep 
holding that up, right? She has to, she has to be that person. She can't let anybody else know who she is. And so uh, she's not tempted by anything. She doesn't have any sin in her life. Like that's just a, a whole thing that she doesn't have to acknowledge. Uh, and, and that's pride. But pretty soon pride spirals down into shame because Jill is going to make a mistake. Jill is going to feel tempted. Jill is going to sin. The reality is, is that all of us are sinners. That's, that's why we're here, because we need a Savior. And now Jill, Jill has this reputation. She set up these rules. She set up these guidelines. She set up this regulation for like who she is, so that that is her identity, is what she does. And so she can't let anybody know what she's done, and it spirals inside of her. She feels shame. She can't look at herself in the mirror. Pretty soon the, the woman at, at work who's this good woman, uh, the church-going woman who's, who's so godly, doesn't feel very godly. Doesn't really feel like she can go to church even. Like she, she probably stops for a while. Legalism doesn't work. Right? That's what Paul is saying here. Like, like it, throughout like five, six, seven, eight, Paul's going through uh, the idea that, that the law, the scriptures that, that he was raised to know, like Paul was a, a Pharisee. And Pharisees were serious about the Old Testament. Pharisees memorized it. Pharisees lived it out. Pharisees wanted to show God that they worshiped him, right? That they loved him. Uh, but it was legalistic. Right? It was, I'm going to set up all of these rules, and I'm going to set up all of these regulations, and I'm going to set up all of these patterns to make sure that I can try to avoid sin, to make sure that I can try to uh, show others that I am a, a godly person, I am a godly man that you could follow. And Paul calls himself like a Hebrew of Hebrews. Right? He knew this, the law, the, the, the prophets, like the Old Testament, he knew them. And he, he could live that out. And all it did was lead him to, to more sin. Right? He knew the law. He, he says uh, just a little bit before the passage that we read that when he was reading the law and he came across do not covet, all it did was to cause him to covet more. Right? He, he didn't stop coveting. He realized his own sinfulness because he started to understand how much he was coveting all the things around him. Right? Like all the, the goats that this guy had and the beauty of this guy's wife and, and the car that that guy drove. He didn't drive a car because there was no cars back then. But whatever, like he just started to see all these things around him. It started to reveal that his own heart, like, it's just so sinful. All the things that God says, like, don't do that. Like, look after me instead. Like, all the rules that, that Paul would memorize that he tried to commit his life to, it just didn't work. It's because it just leads to, to this pride, this self-arrogance, this self-righteousness. And then it spirals down to the shame and self-loathing. The reality is neither of those is the life in the kingdom of God that Jesus said he came to bring. Neither of those is, is the life of joy and hope and peace and love. It's just rules. It's just Old Testament. It just shows you what's wrong with you. It's legalism. Now, the truth is, like, this is, I think, and probably, like, me standing up here today, like, um, it's an easy thing to be tempted by. 
Because if we love God and we don't want to be prone to wander and we don't want to do that, we want to do the right thing. We want to follow Jesus. And Jesus was perfect and Jesus, Jesus did amazing things and he was kind and he was generous. He said, let the children come to me and, and, and let other nations come to me and let other people come to me that are normally outcast and downtrodden and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch them and show them that I love them. I'm going to speak to them when no one else will speak to them. Like Jesus was good. He did these things. So I want to be good and do these things. And, and Jesus didn't sin, right? Jesus was perfect. And so I want to follow him. So I need to set up all these rules and set up all these things. And, and then it's trickled into our, our culture, right, as, as Christians. And it's caused a lot of pain because what you end up with is you end up with leaders who have this legalistic bend. And as they start to spiral through, through prideful self-righteousness and, and this shameful self-loathing, like they want to start to use these things, to uh, use legalism to manipulate and control their people. Right? They want to use it to make sure that their congregation behaves a certain way and looks a certain way. And, and when people, new people come up uh, on Sunday mornings and they feel welcome in a certain way and, and they experience things in a certain way and, and they use this, this legalism to control their staff and to control their congregation and to control their own image and how people see them. And it's detrimental. I'm sure some of you, I know some of you are here because of other churches and the hurt that you've experienced in that. The reality is, is that legalism is, is what shapes and forms a leader into, into wanting to shame and guilt someone into doing something to follow God. Rather than pointing them to a heavenly father, they point them to an, to an angry God who wants to punish them. It's a, legalism leads, leads a husband to treat his wife as a servant. Right? Oh, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm the man of the house. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta lead. I, got, I have a big picture of things. I've, I've got things to do, but you know, you should probably go do those dishes and then you should put the kids down to bed and then, uh, you know, you should vacuum. I'm gonna watch the game, but then, you know, maybe you could make me some chips and dip. Right? And that's how it starts, right? Don't, don't like, it continues to spiral worse and worse and it becomes angry and maybe even violent. Right? Legalism leads to shame and self-loathing, and that gets cast out as just bitterness towards everyone else around you. Right? That pride makes you subjugate others. I'm better than them, so I'm going to direct them, I'm going to show them, I'm going to lead them. It's being single and, and thinking, you know, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna work 80 hours a week and I'm gonna go home and live alone and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything to pursue God I'm not gonna do anything to pursue relationship I just I, this is just I gotta grind I gotta hustle I gotta do this thing like it, you know I'm I'm gonna make sure I have these few like practices right I, I get my podcasts and I get my videos and I get I get these worship songs in and I like fit it in when I can but like I'm just doing what I can to to show God who I who I am. It's continuing to rely on our own actions to define our identity. And it's setting up rules and regulations to try to do that and continuing to fall short because we're sinners. And the pain and the suffering that happens in churches, it often leads to the other end of the spectrum. Right? I said we, had, we have two natural responses. One is legalism. The other one is license. Right? The idea that we're going to... Um, we're going to take this idea that we're free in Christ, that we've been set free from sin, but we're really, we're really just going to use that as an excuse to do whatever we want. Right? It's not a matter of freedom, as, as Paul describes. It's not a matter of freedom uh, as, as Jesus came to deliver us. It's really just continuing to enslave ourselves to sin because we want to. 
because we have desires and it looks like it's going to be pleasurable and good and fun and enjoyable. And so we just, we dive head into that. Is that how we're supposed to respond? And Paul in, uh, in chapter six, he says this, what then are we to sin because we are no, we are not under law, but under grace by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And so maybe we're not inclined to, to legalism, or maybe we've been hurt by legalism. Maybe we're, we're reacting to that, or we're deconstructing what we've experienced and understand about the faith. And so we're running in the other direction saying, you know what? God loves us. Right? He sent his son to die for us. That's the gospel, right? That, that I'm justified, I'm forgiven, that, that Christ's blood covers over my sin. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm saved. Right? We, and we begin to even justify, like, our temptations. We look and say, like, you know what? Like, I'm not that greedy. Like, I'm, I'm not greedy, and I don't want to be greedy. But, but that house on Central with the big yard and, and the big living room, like, it's a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. Like, it's a nice house. And you know, if I just like worked a little bit harder and maybe then got a different job and worked a little bit harder and then, and then I, could probably, I could probably get that house. But then it starts to control us, right? It, it starts to, and imagine the ministry I could do with that house. Like, imagine, you know, if you guys just gave more and then my salary went up, and then I got a house on Central. Like, we could have community group there. We could do, like, that's not what this is about, right? Look, we want people who own houses to have community groups. We don't want you to work 90 hours a week to do it. We don't want you to shipwreck your families and your marriages and your friendships so that you have a place where you can have a Bible study. And you know what? The house isn't going to bring you happiness. There's a bigger house down the street. It's not going to work, right? Because license says like, hey, I'm free. I can do whatever I want in Jesus. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can take this life and the desires that come and the temptations that come, like, it's all right, right? There's all kinds of things in this world that God created that are, that are they were good, right? And so I'm just going to pursue that. But that's not the gospel, right? It's not the gospel. It's what we see on social media, it's what we see from, from, honestly, from pastors and from others who want to have followings, who, who want to use the message that, like, Jesus loves you. It, it's, it's like this. It's so close. It says that God loves you, and he wants you to be happy, and he wants you to be healthy, and he wants you to have provision in your life, and, and he doesn't want you to feel shame, and, and it's just about Jesus' love, right? And it doesn't even acknowledge that, that there may be like temptations in your life. It doesn't acknowledge that there may be some type of struggle like that. Uh, and it just, it's just about Jesus' love. And the problem is that that starts to fall apart when we recognize the world that we live in. Right? It sounds great on Instagram because you can put that up next to like a Lil Wayne video and then a TikTok about making casseroles. And right, if it just flows through, it's like, hey, God loves you. Like, wait, God loves you. Pursue it. God wants to bless you. Embrace it. God wants you to have the cars and the house and the happiness and the family and all of the, and he wants you to have the trips and he wants you to have a full life, right? It sounds good on social media, but it's crap, right? It is because it doesn't acknowledge the world around us. License sounds good until we have to realize that sin leads to death. 
And when we start to pursue the temptations of our heart, the temptations of our flesh, when we start to, to go after them, it, it leads to death. It, it brings destruction. And we experience that with other people around us. We experience that from people that have hurt us. We experience that from people that have abandoned us. We've experienced that from people uh, that, have, that have caused us to sin with them. And we've caused others to do that too. We, we, we've done that in others' lives. We've caused pain. We've caused hurt. We've caused suffering. And the, the social media gospel, right, that gospel that just says, hey, you are free. You, you have a license to do whatever you want because of Jesus' uh, death on the cross. Go for it. It doesn't acknowledge suffering. It doesn't acknowledge sin. It doesn't acknowledge reality. And it just leads to death. So legalism and license, just, they don't help us overcome. They don't, they don't help us overcome temptation. They don't help us overcome our flesh. They don't help us overcome ourselves. And the problem is, it's like I said in the beginning, temptation's lie is that our identity is in what we do. Right? Temptation says you are defined by what you do. But the gospel says who you are defines what you do. Right, that, that's just a little switch, but it's entirely different. Flip to Romans 8 now with me. In, in verse 1, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin... He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Sin leads to death, but the Spirit leads to life and peace. At PBC, we say we are imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Right? That's who we are as a community. We're imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. It, doesn't, it sounds great and it looks cool on a sticker, but, but what it really means is it's acknowledging like we are sinners. We have temptation. We make mistakes, and it gets messy. Right? The reality is, is that for us to live in a church community, it's bringing a bunch of sinful people together and asking them to do stuff together. And we hurt each other. Right? We do things that we shouldn't do. And we don't do the things that we're supposed to do, like Paul was saying. Now, we don't want to stay there. Right? We don't want to stay imperfect people. We have equip nights and, and, and studies and things because we want to grow and mature and refine in our faith. It's called sanctification. It's a process that the Spirit is working in us. But the reality is, is that we'll never be perfect in this life. Right? We, are, we are overcoming temptation, but, but we continue to do that for the rest of our lives, which is why legalism doesn't work, and it's why license doesn't work. This is a, a whole life commitment, and, and the reality is, is that what works is pursuing life in the Spirit. What works is recognizing that, that humbling ourselves before God and, and, and recognize that Paul says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. 
or that, that the Spirit dwells within us, that we shouldn't be drunk with wine, that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the idea that we have been transformed, our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in Christ, and that then pours out into what we do. So to overcome sin, overcome temptation, we need to recognize who we are in Jesus. We need to recognize that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, that, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, that we have his righteousness imputed to us, that we are loved by a heavenly Father, that we are made good through him. And that pours out into our lives. It's not about setting up the rules and regulations to follow. And it's not about casting it aside and doing whatever we want. It's about living a life that is empowered and moved and stirred by the Spirit within us. It's freedom. It's life. It's peace. Because the God that that rose Jesus from the dead is the God that, that calmed the storms. It's the God that that gives us the strength and the boldness to overcome temptation. It gives us the hope that we can press on. It gives us life. And the way that we pursue that, there's really two ways that we pursue that uh, that I'll just, I'll just close with for you today. Um, the first is both in a way of repentance, repentance to God. We don't overcome temptation by ignoring it, and we don't overcome temptation by pretending like we're stronger than it. We overcome temptation by coming to our Heavenly Father, whose Spirit is within us, and acknowledging it to Him, confessing our sins to Him through prayer. Right? A lot of times we look at prayer as like talking to the floor. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here, and, and then, then it's just like talking to like a magic genie or something. It's like, God, help me to pass this test. God, help me to get along with my roommate. God, God. but we don't, we don't talk about like what's in us, especially with sin and temptation. It's almost as if we hear like, oh, you've been forgiven. You've been, you've been made righteous. We don't really need to talk about that anymore, God. But the only way to overcome it, the only way is for the Spirit to continue to work in us and as we do that, we, we have conviction. And through that conviction, we bring it to God. We confess it to him. God, you know, I, I want these things that I shouldn't want. I've done these things that I shouldn't do. I want to do them again. God, give me the strength. Give me the power. Overcome those things. God, settle my spirit. God, strengthen my heart. God, help me to overcome my own flesh. It's confession. We don't just confess to God, we confess to one another. Right? We have a huge value here about uh, being in community groups because we want people building relationships with one another. Because church is not just a conference that we attend 52 times a year, right? Church is a community that we are bound together in unity and unity and maturing together through the gospel. And that doesn't even work if you just show up every Tuesday night and do a Bible study and just kind of give patent answers and never live life together. And you can't overcome sin if you pretend like nothing is wrong. And maybe it's not just like in your community group as a whole, but maybe it's finding that person that you really connect with. Maybe you have the same job or your same career or you both like the cowboys. Um, <laughs> or, you know, like the Cardinals or, or, or somebody else. Um, and it's meeting with them for coffee and it's being honest and it's being frank and it's confessing your sins. Like I used to be a Cowboys fan, but, but I've seen the light. Um, <laughs> right? It's building those relationships one-on-one. Right? Community group is a next step for us, but it's not the final step. We want to continue to serve each other and, 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 and love each other. And one way that we do that is confession. 
And we can't do that. Like we can't confess to God and we can't confess to others if our identity is in what we do. But if our identity is in who we are in Christ and then what we do just flows out of that, that's something that is easier to confess. And that sets us free. And that gives us hope. And that gives us life. And that gives us peace. And that helps others do the same. The humility that we express becomes reciprocal. And it draws us in. And it draws us closer to God. And it draws us closer to each other. Uh, In just a moment, we're actually going to bring a table up here so that we could take communion today. And and communion is an act of remembrance. A remembrance that Jesus shed his blood for us. He, He had his body broken for us because we are sinners. And so really it takes humility to take the cup and and to drink the wine and to eat the bread. It's juice if you're anxious about that. Um, But it's an act of remembrance. And it's an act of humility for us to say, God, we need you. We need you. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would encourage us and that as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that that sacrifice is one that, that atones for our sins past, present, and future. And, and, and in that gives us hope and confidence and boldness to overcome temptation because we can be, be confident to confess to you. We can be humble to confess to one another and that helps us to, to, sh- to live a life uh, set on the path of righteousness because the spirit is within us giving us life and peace. And we take communion to remember the sacrifice of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, who, who enables us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.